You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, so what did I say? And, uh, you know, let me give you the ur- urban dip. Urban Dictionary definition, okay? Uh, don't look these up all the time in Urban Dictionary. This one just popped up, so I saw it, okay? Uh, but what did, I, what did I just say? Uh, bring that next slide up for me, if you will. There we go. Uh, it's used when someone does the exact opposite of what you just told them not to do. Okay, now, now you know what we're talking about? Okay, see a mom, a frustrated mom with her hands on her hips. What did I just say, right? You know, I, and I, I, in my mind, I kind of picture... Tyler Perry, Medea, <laughs> you know, looking to say, you know, and I, I can't imitate her, okay? But just say, what I, what did I say, you know? And so this is, this is when we use this, all right? Now, um, I, I, you know, in, in kind of digging into the, the phrase there and the way it's used and all that a little bit, I ran across a book. It was written several years ago, and, and in this book, the, these uh, child psychologists were t- telling us parents how we ought to be talking to our kids because if we're not careful, so we don't understand, you know, it's like the, the, the greater the age difference is, the harder it is for our kids to understand us. And, you know, the hardest time is when they're just learning, co- you know, communication language, when they're, you know, toddler age or something. And so sometimes, you know, when we get frustrated, we say things like this, you know, that are really just sarcastic, but what happens to them is they think we've changed the subject. They don't even think we're talking about the same thing anymore. You know, like we just say, what did I say? What did I just say? Or how many times have I told you this? And so, you know, in their little minds, they may be counting up. Well, I think you told me yesterday, you know, and they think you've changed the subject, right? And that, you know what? I think sometimes when God tries to get our attention, you know, I don't know if God ever gets sarcastically frustrated or not, pulling his hair out like, what did I just say to you guys? You know, what did I say in my word? I don't know that he gets frustrated in a sarcastic way, but I think sometimes when God tries to get our attention, we almost think, oh, he's changed the subject. He's talking about something else. And, and, and we miss the actual point of what it is that he was trying to teach us or tell us. You see, I think many times we often treat Jesus' word like a fortune cookie, you know? Okay, let me ask you again. How many, how many here have ever opened a fortune cookie? Anybody? 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 Just, just most, most of you. The rest of you just afraid that there's something else coming, right? You're not going to raise your hand. I'm not going to pick anybody out today, okay? Okay, so when you open a fortune cookie, and you open it, and sometimes it's just, ah, okay, what? and sometimes it's like, whoa, yeah, how many of you have ever gotten a really good fortune cookie? Anybody? Anybody ever gotten a really good fortune cookie? Not so good that you really remember, huh? Okay, uh, quite a few of you, we've gotten good fortune cookies, but let me ask you this. How many of you have broken open, you've seen a fortune cookie, said, oh, wow, this is good, and then you left the restaurant, you went home, and you totally changed your life. You, you quit your job, you started a new vocation, you, start, you, know, you uh, uh, decided a different, a different strategy of, of uh, trying to uh, save for retirement, uh, you, you maybe decided, I'm going to write a song, or I'm going to write a book. How, how many of you ever changed your life based on a fortune cookie? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, okay, nobody? Good. Thank God. Amen, right? That's what I'm talking about. We often treat the words of Jesus like a fortune cookie. I was like, that was a cool thought. I really liked that. Made me all warm and fuzzy inside. But then what changed? 
that next week? Do we, do we go home and say, i got to make some changes? I mean, if you were here last week, I know you're thinking, well, that was for everybody else. No, no. I believe the majority of the people sitting in here now, watching it, or that were in here last week, the majority of us needed to make some changes. But do we make any changes? When is the last time? Okay, you said for a fortune cookie, you've never gone home and made changes. When is the last time you heard Jesus speak to you, whether it's in a sermon, a song, a small group, one of your friends? When is the last time? Reading the Bible by yourself? When is the last time something like that hit you in the face and you made real life change? See, that's what I mean is we often treat Jesus' word like a fortune cookie. Because we want sermons and songs and small groups about having a better life, right? We don't want to open a fortune cookie and see, see one. Nope, nobody ever got this one, did you? You open it up and it says, get a job, right? <laughs> you ever got one of those? Or start treating your mother-in-law better, right? We, we, we haven't gotten to those. If we have, we might not ever open those ever again. And you know, that's the attitude we have with our songs and our sermons and our small groups. I mean, I've heard a lot of Christians say, I don't, want any, I don't go to small groups. So I, don't, I don't want anybody telling me how to handle my marriage or how to spend my money or to save my money. We don't want any Christian advice. Is that what we're saying? Is we want, we want uh, sermon songs and small groups about having a better life. I'm, te- I'm, I'm telling you right here, here it is. The, the way to a better life is to pay attention to what Jesus said. He's already said it. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have to say anymore. It's kind of like, what I say? I've already said it to you. It's, it's paying attention to that because when we pay attention, to his word, we forget. We forget that his word talks to us about having better relationships and having a better marriage. It talks to us about, about finances. It talks to us about all the decisions and life choices that we make. It talks to us about all of that, so it's there. You know, he doesn't have to speak it again. He can just, what I say? You know, if you got a question today, he could just, he could just stand up here and, what did I say? I've already said it. What did I say in this book? Or what did I say in that book? What did I say that day? Or what did I say? What did I say about this situation? He's already spoken it. But we don't, we don't, we don't want to have to work on it. I mean, we'd rather have a miracle, right? God fixed my marriage right here today without me having to do anything. God Fix my retire. You know, I'm, I'm about to retire, and I don't have enough money. God, fix it right now today. I don't want to have to do anything. I mean, that's the attitude we sometimes take, isn't it? And what happens is we keep pushing those nice thoughts, those warm fuzzies. We just kind of keep pushing them back instead of allowing them to really invade who we are and change our life. I read this article a few weeks ago and um, and saved it for for this sermon right here. But there was, there was a recent survey, actually done last year, and that, that's recent, that from 2010 to 2020, the percentage of Americans who agree with core Christian doctrines fell from 47% to 25%. Biggest drop in all of history in one decade. You know, that, that bothers me that, that a little less than half 10 years ago, a little less than half of, of, of Americans actually still believed that these core Christian beliefs and doctrines but now it's down to one in four you know not in this room hopefully right but when you're out there in the world walking around you find four people or you find three in you you're probably maybe the only one who believes in all those core christian values and doctrines well what what are those let's talk about what those are okay because um and and listen i'm not going to tell you what i think 
Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. Here's, here's several things. That, and, and I actually didn't have enough room to put all the scriptures there beside them. But if you'll go to the, go to the uh, sermon notes, church2911.com slash connect, go to the sermon notes. It's got all of the links, and all, you can actually click on it. It'll bring up the scripture. But here are some of the Christian, core Christian doctrines. <laughs> Jesus is the Son of God and is equal with God. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. All people are separated from God through what the Bible calls sin. Not mistakes, not errors, sin. Uh, Jesus was crucified. I said I wasn't going to tell you what I thought about this. I'm sorry. Jesus was crucified to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead to prepare a way for us into eternal life. We are saved by the grace of God. That is, we cannot add to or take away from Christ's finished work on the cross as full payment for our sin. Thank God. The Bible is the accurate, inerrant, reliable Word of God. Jesus is the only way to salvation. These are the core beliefs. But you know, some of you, you know people that have problems with these. And you've listened to some of them speak about some of those things in such a way that it's made some of you doubt, well, you know what? Well, maybe, but here's, here's the problem, as I told you. Everyone, this is from Scripture. This is not conjecture. This is not something that the church voted to adopt. This is what Jesus says about himself. This is what Jesus says about, about being a Christian. And, and being a Christian, you know, i, I got to say something. I'm going to jump to that next slide, but i got to say something before I jump there. Here's the problem with, with losing this, Okay. Is because I don't know who you had in your life growing up, but I had some prayers and you know people who prayed. I mean, real prayers in my life growing up. People that I I I heard pray. You know, my mom was probably the person I've heard pray more than anybody growing up. And she would go into her bedroom and you could hear her all over the house crying out to God. You know, and uh, I, my some of you heard me say this. My cousin. Uh, phone rang one day and he picked up the phone his mom was was praying he picked up the phone and asked him where's your mom he said oh she's in her bedroom yelling at God you know <laughs> we had prayers and I, I pray that you have prayers in your life but let me tell you something if if we get rid of the things that are on this slide right here we get rid of a lot of the stuff I've heard prayed over prayed about that, that these are parts of the prayer. Jesus, I know you're the Son of God. I know you lived a sinless life, and so I ask you to help me, sanctify me, so that I can try to live like you have lived. And, and I, know, I know I was separate from you, and I don't deserve, but, but you died and paid the penalty for my sin. And, and, and I know that you, you rose from the dead to prepare a way so that I can have, thank you, God, for eternal life that I have with you. And I know that I don't, I don't deserve it. I haven't worked for it. I haven't, I haven't earned it. There's nothing, nothing about who I am or what I've done, but because of what you've done, that's the payment for my sin. And I stand right for you, and I ask you for stuff, not because of who I've done, but I ask you because of what you've done. And thank God for that in, in, infallible word of God. Because of that, every promise, you know, where you said there that I could have healing, God, I need your healing today. Or where you said there that I could have provision and finances, I need that today. And, and that, Jesus, I thank you that you are, you are the way to salvation, the only way to salvation. I mean, see, if you get, you get rid of all that, I lose a lot of what I've heard people pray in my life. I mean, these are, these are things, just think about that. What, what you lose, if, if you don't believe this, there's nothing left to believe. 
And if you start, well, I just don't believe that one. That was a slippery slope, wasn't it? 1976, one of our, our uh, presidents, when uh, he was running for president and, and uh, a Sunday school Bible teacher, he was asked a question. He said, well, that's the one part of Scripture I don't believe. That's a slippery slope, isn't it? <laughs> but here's the problem. Let me tell you how he got there, though. Here's the problem. The Scripture that he was asked about by a, a reporter was misquoted. Now, I don't believe the reporter did it on purpose, but what's happened is we quote scripture the way we want to quote them, we keep quoting, keep quoting them, and instead of going back and reading the Bible ourselves, we think that's what it says, and so then we say, I, well, you know what, I got a problem with that. Well, you got a problem with that because we changed it. You don't have a problem with it when it's taken in context, and, and it's, you know, the thing I think of, hey, he's a Sunday school teacher, he should have said, well, wait a minute, you took that out of context, here's what it really says. And he said, well, that, but instead he said, that's the one scripture I don't believe in. Listen, right here, Jesus made some audacious claims. Go ahead and bring me that next slide up there. Made such audacious claims because he could. The son of God, he, he, he'd say anything he wants to, right? I mean, he's in charge. I mean, he's, he's the son of God. And because it has to be all or nothing, believe in him completely or not at all, there is no wiggle room here. Love, I love the quote from C.S. Lewis. We've, we've used it the past several weeks, uh, several times. Brent mentioned it in a sermon not too long ago. I mentioned it in a sermon, so I didn't bring it here to read again. But it's, it's there in my, in my sermon notes if you want to read it again. Basically, what he says is Jesus said, you either believe in me or you don't. He left no wiggle room. He said, this is the way it is. And, and he did. He didn't want us to be able to believe in him halfway. And so he set it up that either believe in me as Lord or you got to choose I'm lunatic or liar. Because, and he, he wouldn't leave it any other way. So Jesus chose it this way. So on that previous page, we can't cross out one or two because either all of it is true or none of it is true. It's something that we share. Normally I share if a if I remember too, you know, 101 is that we believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God because if we don't have that, we don't have anything. If we, you know, if we don't have that, we're just a club. If the Bible is not the Word of God, and so we have, we have to, we have to decide to know the truth. Okay, we have to decide to know the truth. Bring me that uh, next slide up, if you will. How do we become so uncertain of this biblical worldview, the biblical worldview? We attend church less than ever before. The vast majority of professing Christians are not involved in any regular ongoing study, discipleship, mentoring, etc. Sunday school went away and we've tried to replace it with small groups or things like that, but most Christians aren't involved. And the Bible is more available to our generation than any generation. I mean, you're carrying it with you if you've got a smartphone. You're carrying the Bible with you in every, every language that you want to read it in. It's more available to our generation, yet we read it less and less. So I believe one of the reasons we got here is because we become biblically illiterate. We really just don't know what God says. I remember... Those of you that have been with us since we launched 29-11, you heard this a lot back in those days. But it was several years before that that I realized, and I'm sure it was somebody else that told me this. You know, it wasn't like I'm the smartest man in the world. I'm not telling you I realized it because I'm the smartest man in the world, but somebody said it, is that we can't just say anymore 
You know that story. You, you, you know the story in the Old Testament where David did so and so. You can't say that anymore because people don't know that. We said that over and over and over 11 years ago when we planted 29-11. We said it over and over. Uh, I'm sorry, 12 years ago. We said it over and over. We can't say that. 12 years later, it's not gotten better. It's gotten worse. How did we get here? Not because, listen, let's just be real. Let's just be honest. I know, I know we wanted a warm, fuzzy uh, fortune cookie this morning. Let's get an honest one open this morning. We didn't get here because the world is not attending church or not involved in mentoring or not reading the Bible. We got here because the church has not been attending, has not been involved in discipleship, has not been reading the Bible on their own. That's how we got here. So what are we going to do about it? We have to know. We have to, again, come on, church. I, I, I can't preach to everybody in the world. I wish I could. wish I could tell, them, tell the whole church world this today. I can only tell you. We have to know the truth, speak the truth, and live the truth. The world around us, whatever part of it you're attached to, in your homes, in your, in your places of work, in your communities, in your neighborhoods, on social media, through email and phone calls, whatever, whatever part of the world you are attached to, they need you to know the truth, speak the truth, and live the truth. Because you're the church. You're the Christian. We've got to do this. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in, uh, we call it chapter 1, verse 22. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Y'all remember that old um, kid's song, The Wise Man Built His... Y'all know that, right? <laughs> and, uh, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and... Y'all do know this. Y'all want to sing it? No. <laughs> and, but the house on the rock stood firm. And then the foolish man, the foolish man built his... Yeah, and the rains came... The rains came down and, and the house, this was the favorite part of all the kids in kids' church when I was a kid, right? And the house on the sand went splat, right? Do you know where that came from? That was a cool song. I mean, we loved it when we were kids, right? You know where it came from? Jesus, Luke chapter 6, the end of that chapter, read the story. He's asked some questions. Now he's, uh, Matthew remembers it also, and Matthew doesn't go into as much detail. Luke chapter 6, he goes into the detail of it right here. And he says, you know what? He said, when you know the truth, that's like, now I'm, I'm paraphrasing again here, okay? So when you know the truth, that's like having a house. You know the truth when you learn the truth. But if you aren't living the truth, you have no foundation. You're like a man that has built his house on the sand. If you know the truth, but you don't live the truth, your house is in danger of falling. If you know the truth, knowing the truth is not enough. We have to live the truth. Bring me that next slide. This is, let's read this one together. Being a Christian is not what you believe. It's what you live. That's what I ended with last week, if you remember, if you were here. Christianity is not an hour and 15 minutes, one morning every week. 
That's not Christianity. Christianity isn't what you post online about the pain, the suffering, and the injustice in our world, but what you do about it. Have you posted something this week? What would you do about it? Following Jesus is not knowing what he teaches, but following those teachings. And sadly, there are more students of what Jesus said than there are doers of what Jesus said. You know, Jesus never said, learn my word. He says, do my word. Uh, and just like a, in one place, he said, blessed are those who not only hear, but do. But do those things. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those of you who kind of know some of those stories, they were, they were religious people back in the time of Jesus that fought him every opportunity with everything. You know what they had done? They had taken, now it's the Old Testament because this was Jesus' time, so the New Testament wasn't written. Even the things Jesus was doing were only being recorded by the apostles as they were walking around following him, so it wasn't written down for everybody. All they had was the Old Testament law. Do you know what the Pharisees and Sadducees had done? They took that Old Testament law and they basically made a curriculum out of it. You know, like Sunday school curriculum, a Wednesday night, you know, youth curriculum. They made a curriculum out of it. And they got so many things so wrong, it was all just all messed up. And, and the biggest thing Jesus told them a lot of times was, you know the truth, but you're not living the truth. We can't just know. We have to live it. We have to speak it. We have to do what it's called. Because think about what Jesus did. Next, the next slide right here, I hope. Right, yeah. Jesus sent disciples into the hurting world. Do you, do you remember that story, some of you? You'll remember that? Where he sent them out to, 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 by, two and, by twos. He sent them out to minister. And he, and he said, heal the sick. He didn't say, pray for them. He told them, heal the sick. They had, they had some awesome authority there, spiritual authority. He didn't say, go pray. For, he said, go heal the sick. Cast out devils and those things. He sent them out. He sent them into the hurting world. He called children up into his lap. Remember that? You, you, you've heard that, right? Suffer the children and forbid them not, meaning let them come. Let them come to me. Don't, don't forbid them to come. He called them up into his lap. You know, way, long, long, long time before, Jesus, before Santa Claus did, right? He ordered the disciples to feed the hungry. Remember the 5,000 that were fed? With just a few pieces of bread and a few fish. How did he do that? Now, now he did the miracle part. But then he sent the disciples with the food out there to feed those five. Had them all sit down and crowd and, in, in groups. And then he had the disciples do that. And he stopped. In the middle of his day, in the middle of all that he has going on, I mean, we're, we're so busy. What time is it? Do we, need to, we, do we need to get out of here? Somebody got a roast in a crock pot? Make sure it doesn't burn. Uh, oh, what? No, but I've got reservations, and you know, that new restaurant fills up pretty quick right now. You know, he stopped what he was doing to touch and heal people nobody else would touch. How is it? How is it that we, the church, and I'm not just talking about us, but I'm talking about across this world. How, we know this, right? Did I tell you anything you didn't know? Maybe, maybe one of those stories you hadn't heard, but yeah, that, that sounds like the Jesus you know, right? We know this. The, the church knows this about Jesus. How is it that we can know this 
yet then act like an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning is following Jesus. This isn't following Jesus. This is the beginning. That's following Jesus. It's right there. That's, that's the kind of thing, and that, that's, that's, just, that's just what, four things that I threw up there real quick for you, because my time is up. I knew I didn't have time to, at this point, get, get any further. So here, here, here's our question then. What are we going to do about it? And, and you know, and I, I think a lot of people are relying on that. Well, you know, yeah, I believe in missions work, and my, my church funds missionaries, but what are you doing about it? You know, it's not about what my church does. What do I do? Yeah, I believe in feeding hungry kids. And, and uh, you know, two or three times a year, I know my, my church does that. It's, but what, what am I doing about it? This is what following Jesus looks like. Not this. This is the beginning. This is, this is the weekly staff meeting of the Christians of 2911. That we come together and we ask, our, ask ourselves to be challenged to the mission that is before us. And this is what the mission looks like. For the other 167 hours almost that we have for the rest of the week, this is what. So what are we going to do about it? What am I going to do? What are you going to do about it? Obedience. Here's my last slide, I promise. Obedience is two parts. What we need to stop doing and you know what? We, get, we know that pretty well. If you're doing stuff in your life you don't need to be doing, you know it. <laughs> you know you need to stop doing some stuff. What we don't get is that obedience is also what we must do. I mean, when you were a kid and, you know, you came, your, your mom and dad came home and they asked, did you take out the trash like I told you to? And, and you start telling them all, this, all the stuff you didn't do that was bad. And they say, well, did you take out the trash like I told you to? And you know, it'd be really easy for her to say, what did I say? <laughs> you know, and for God to say, I, God didn't just tell us what to stop doing. He told us what we needed to do. That, that, that screen right before this one is what he's told us to do. So what are we going to do with this? Uh, I get my heaviest burden over watching people walk with the same struggles and burdens and problems over and over and over when Jesus just wants to say what did I say about your burden what did I already say about how I can help you with that what did I already say about it and and we just keep doing the same thing and, and even the church and us looking at you know the world out there and and knowing nothing's changing out there, it, it's not going to change because we came to an hour and 15. It's going to change when this hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning changes us, challenges us. When we allow it to dig into our heart and say, this isn't enough, this is just the beginning. This is the staff meeting. This is the 2911 Christian Church staff meeting. And now we've got a mission. What is it that I'm going to do? Last night, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back. Last night, I got a call. Uh, I actually got a text 
from somebody that I, one of those weird kind of connections that this guy's got my cell number now, and so I get a text from him every once in a while. And he asked if he could call me, and he called me, and he needs food. Well, you know, first he wanted to rant about how nobody will help me, nobody will help me, nobody will help me. You know, and you know what I wanted to do? What did I say? <laughs> Last time I texted you, what did I say? <laughs> you know, that's what I wanted to tell him. But you know what? He needed to rent. He didn't have any food in the house. He's, um, his car's broke down. And I kind of know this guy a little bit, got to know him. So he's not just lying, not just a guy off the street telling me he doesn't, you know, he's, he, he, he needs a car. He, he said, I got $1,400. You know anybody? He said, I can't find a car that cheap. He said, I'll make payments, $100 a month. And so I made a call last night about that too and, and hadn't had got anywhere with that. But he, need, he needs groceries today. Today. What do you do about that? Well, you know, I'm trying to, fo- I'm trying to focus on my sermon, you know. And my sermon is about us living the truth. It would really be totally missing the whole point of preaching the sermon if I didn't say, give me a shopping list so I can get groceries for you tomorrow. Right? You'd be totally missing it. And so I got the list. Anybody wants it and you want to take some groceries to them also? You can. We'll just shower them with a bunch today, okay? You know somebody's got a car to give away? I don't want to find him a $1,400 car we, that he can buy, but if we can, that, but you know if somebody's got a car to give away, do it. What am I going to do with this truth that I know, that I know? Thank God. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.